0: Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. Today we're going to talk about ways to stop tolerating abuse. Abuse you may not even have recognized that is happening now or that happened earlier in your life. Maybe you'll hear something today that you really need to hear. It's my hope that you will. You're not alone. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. And I'll help you use that redirected energy to recover and to rediscover you, your values, your dreams, your desires, and then realize them in healthy ways and in healthy relationships at home and at work. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm so glad you're here. Changing the format a little today, going to broaden my scope. I'm going to talk more about couples and about you as an individual with your relationship with yourself and about those difficult, toxic people. I'm going to vary the show each week with a combination of those things. So, yes, you'll still get all that you need to know about how to have conversations that are difficult even courageous with difficult people and in difficult situations but also how to enrich and create more emotional intimacy in your primary relationship and how to have a better relationship with yourself so really important to stay tuned if you're joining us for the first time welcome and if you've been listening for a long time I'm so glad you do and that you find value here. Please share this with your friends. Tell them to sign up on facebook.com slash Relationship Help Show. Go and like that page. You'll always get notice of every new thing. So today's show is about your family history. Is your family history ruining your life? Well, there's a chance that it is. So I have a great guest today, and I start the show off with a segment called Raised by a Hijackal, because if you were raised by a hijackal, it's going to impact your life. If you were raised by a difficult, toxic person, those little things that get way down inside you before you even have language, I'm going to talk about those and how you need to take note of them and give you a few ideas of what you might look for. Then we're going to have two segments with Johanna Lynn. She is a clinical hypnotherapist, and we're going to talk about inherited family ties and traits, things that you may not have even noticed, things that you have noticed and you don't know what to do about, and to give you some empowering suggestions to how you can improve life after recognizing that you've been in a difficult situation with difficult people and may have a few of those things lingering and you'd like to get rid of them. And then the last segment today, I'm going to talk about an important thing, which is sometimes when we need to have a difficult conversation, we hide behind wanting the other person to go first. And I want to help you with that. So I'm talking to you about... Are you waiting for the other person to go first? And if you are, why and what you should do about it, what you can do about it, and why you should do something different about it if you want a different result. So, so much in today's show. Stay tuned. And if you want more from me, go to 4-F-O-R-Relationship-Help, H-E-L-P, dot com. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijacker pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit 4relationshiphelp.com join. Talk soon. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler the Relationship Help Doctor back again with you And today I want to talk about what happens if you're raised by a toxic, difficult person. What are some of the things that you might look at within yourself and the way your life is going, the way your relationships are going, the way you feel about yourself, the way you expand or contract in the world that might have its basis in being raised by a difficult, toxic parent? Somewhere deep down inside yourself, you know you're not quite fine. You might say you are, but you know you're not. And maybe you can't even put your finger on how you know you're not. <laughs> so I just wanted to offer some things today that might help you understand that deep down in there, there are some beliefs. I'm going to talk about five of them that that you might just examine and see if they're true for you. Maybe give you a little insight that would help. Um, because it'll help you understand what a horrible gift your hijackle parent gave you. And you know, hijackles are those people who hijack relationships for their own purposes, and then they scavenge them for power, status, and control, and a lot of parents fall into that category. So <clears throat> these might be good for you to work through and replace because they're mistaken beliefs about yourself. They were about the hijackle, not about you. And you know, your brain grows until you're in your mid-20s. It's true. But by then you're on a path and you may not even take time to examine what has happened to you. You think it's just what I do. It's just where I'm going and with whom, and you don't really recognize the impact of all that happened from the time your brain started developing. And that's huge, particularly what happened to us in the first two, three years of life. So think about this. What was going on in your house before you even had language? Who was there? Were they happy you were? Were they annoyed by your presence? You were there, a baby, experiencing life by putting everything in your mouth, exploring everything you could touch, and trying to make those giants, whom you needed to keep you alive, interested and happy. You smiled and you laughed and you made encouraging noises, trying to attract them. That didn't work. So you cried and they responded. But how did they respond? Were they loving? Did they come in time? Were they happy? Were they warm? Were they concerned about you? Or did they give you a feeling that you were a nuisance, you were wasting their time, that you should, you should not take up space? And that all makes a big difference in how you feel about yourself now. Of course, if you've already recognized the need to get help and change this, you're recognizing all this with a big sigh of relief and good for you. But if it's unrecognized, it can ruin your life and ruin your relationships and keep you feeling inadequate and definitely undermine and sabotage your success. So I just want to talk about five deep, dark, underlying truths that you need to look at. They're awful gifts, you unwittingly. And definitely unwillingly received from a difficult parent, a hijackle parent, or a primary caretaker. So one of those is that deep, deep down, you may not even want to admit that you don't believe anybody can really love you, even when they say they do and they cross rings of fire for you. You're still a little suspect. That's because a hijackal parent left you feeling unlovable, never good enough, and somewhat broken down. And, oh yeah, you may have a tough exterior that makes other people think that you walk on water, but inside, deep down, you know that no one will ever really love you. So it keeps you from ever having the emotional intimacy that you so long for. You really want it. So another deep, dark truth. You don't really trust anyone. You want to. You really do. And so you seem to. But there's always this nagging question in the back of your mind. Am I making a mistake? Am I wrong? Even though they seem to be telling me the truth and their behavior seems to follow, oh, I'm not so sure. So you'll also enter into a relationship and want to trust with all your heart. And you do until the very first moment that there's a glimmer of a question, where is she or he? Did she or he lie to me? Has he or she always lied to me? Am I a fool? I always knew she or he couldn't be trusted. Those things run through your head, right? You don't want to be wrong. You want to be wise. So you're always wary. And that makes it very difficult to actually trust someone. So another deep, dark truth is you may have trouble with intimacy, real intimacy, the kind that makes you feel close and relaxed and cherished and known and appreciated and loved and accepted. And it goes along with your inability and unwillingness to trust another person fully. It's your kind of vigilant wariness. And children of a hijackal parent learn early on that they have to be vigilant, maybe even hypervigilant. That's because the hijackal parent seems unpredictable. Are you going to get the smiling one who thought you walked on water? Or today, are you going to get the harsh one who thinks you're a nuisance? And you learned that it depended on the hour, so you became very good at people-pleasing. And over the years, you turned yourself into both a pretzel and a doormat. In fact, you may still be doing that in your current relationships. Because when you have a hijackal parent, you're trained to do that in order to survive intimacy requires the ability to trust and that's hard for you so another deep dark truth you seldom feel safe in the world with other people even with yourself then obviously this goes along with the lack of trust but it extends to your whole world if you were like me you were abused at home and that happened in the night all in secret and it produced opposing feelings simultaneously. You're scared, and you think the person is supposed to love you. How can you be safe? You tend to live with one eye scanning the world for predators, while the other is trying to enjoy the person or the world in front of you. And these feelings can be deep, deep down underground. You may not even realize that they're still down there running the programs of your life. And that's why you need to love yourself enough to get some good help from someone like myself who understands this stuff. I have clients all over the world through the magic of video conferencing. And these feelings, they can keep you from ever experiencing real love. Even the honest, real love and affection from your friends. That's a shame. So the last one I want to talk to you about is this deep, dark truth that may be impacting your life is you're starved for approval. Approval that you can really believe and accept. Because a hijackable parent is in competition with you. And because that's true, that parent will withhold approval from you. Yes, they sometimes give it, but they manage to take it away immediately. Sounds like you did a great job with that. I wish you could do that with everything, but I know that's hoping too much. Does that sound familiar? So withholding approval is a hijackle tactic. And if the parent approved of you, you'd have an edge. It would somehow make you an equal with the parent. And no hijackle parent wants that. My mother used to say that she couldn't say anything good about me or I would get a swelled head. What a perfect hijackle parent remark. She justified her unwillingness to approve of me immediately. Oh, and her friends bought it too. So you're constantly invalidated by a hijackle parent. Often the other parent is silent or agrees to keep the peace. Now you got a double whammy. That makes it very difficult for you to ever believe a compliment deep down or to ever believe that wonderful, loving, healthy, approving person free of hijackle games actually loves you. So many of my clients have confessed that they actually looked for somewhat nasty people. They're whom they believed they deserved and it's not true. So I hope what we're saying today is I hope it makes some sense to help you make sense of those deep down feelings because those deep down feelings are the ones that are undermining your self-esteem your self-confidence, your self-concept. And those will also be the same feelings that will damage your relationships. Your relationship with yourself, your relationship with other people. It will take from you exactly what you want. That loving, cherishing, trustworthy, intimate, honest, safe, respectful relationship. Now, a hijackle did that to you. So it's not your fault. And... It's not true about you. So learn how to replace these underlying beliefs. They're sabotaging you and your relationships. So I hope this helps you because you need to do the work to be free to live an authentic, empowered life now. What a hijackle told you is none of your business. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit forrelationshiphelpcom join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. 4 join. Hello, and welcome to this segment of the Relationship Help Show. So excited. I have my guest here today, Joanna Lynn, and she is from Canada, my homeland. So yay. I always like to have Canadian folks on the show. That's great. And uh, and I'm excited that that's going to be our topic today because she brings something very unique. So as you can see, beautiful Johanna sitting there. Do you say Mm -hmm. Johanna or Johanna? It's Joanna. Joanna. Oh, okay. Lovely. Um, you, as you see her, let me just tell you a little bit about her because she has something very, very unique in the way that she approaches things. And she's fascinated by what parents share with their children, the invisible stuff that's passed along in the DNA. And the one thing that we all have in common is that we come from a family. there's none of us who didn't come from a family, even if that's a single parent family. So we've been influenced far more than we know by that, including in our DNA, but also in everything that happened to us. And Joanna offers a powerful way for us to see where the root of the challenges are, and then helps people to figure them out. And you use the term inherited family trauma. So let's just start, Joanna, welcoming you to the program. I'm so excited that you're here. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's it's good to talk about something different. Of course, we're talking about living with toxic and difficult people all the time here on the Relationship Help Show. But we really do have to look at inherited family trauma. And I like, I use that phrase actually, um, but I'm delighted that you use it as the focus of your work. So what what do you do when a high conflict couple comes to you and says, help?
1: The first thing I do is I want to take a little bit of family history from both sides so that we can make sense of what is comp- pretty much dysfunctional, of where it feels familiar, why it feels right or or common in the body to feel disrespected, to be spoken to poorly, whatever the the need and want kind of ratio, that push-pull between a couple can be that are immersed in high conflict. So a lot of times when we can get a little bit of family history, we can step beyond the story. So we wanna look at, okay, if you say your mom was highly critical, what was behind that criticism? Why was she always angry? Why was she impatient or you know, quick to anger? What was that about? So that we get a little bit more understanding around the influences. Because in my years of experience working with couples, our partner shows up exactly as we need them to to show us what's unhealed in us. So if we've got that highly critical spouse, it often routes us back to how we remember in our body, likely we were brought up by a highly critical parent.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joanna, that's what I call finding yourself comfortably uncomfortable. Perfect. That that we get to that, that place where, okay, I don't like it much, but it feels so familiar that I don't expect anything different. And when I don't expect anything different, of course, I don't ask for anything different. And I don't allow myself to be assertive and say, let's do something
1: different. Exactly.
0: So we recede and we recede into our story and our our victim or our poor me or our... How could, why is this always happening to me? And I don't, I don't want to make that sound like you've got a, a huge problem, but you just retreat into that very familiar place. And that's what I hear you talking about. And when people are with hijackers, those chronically and relentlessly difficult people, toxic people, um, it becomes even worse because a hijacker will target a person who has that in their family that says, you will put up with this, you will turn yourself into a pretzel and make yourself into a doormat to make me happy. So when you're looking at these these new clients and you're looking into their family history, are you looking for those patterns where somebody is used to allowing themselves to be treated poorly, uh, allowing themselves to feel less than? What are you looking for? So I
1: look at it from a slightly different perspective in that we as children, we look up to our parents. Of course, that's our first love. And let's say we had a really sad mom who wasn't very available to us, or we had a dad who was always at work. And when he did come home, there was no more energy or attention for us. And so often, if we end up in a relationship with someone who's very high conflict, we have been used to looking up towards the parent with this kind of inner question of who do you need me to be so that you'll love me oh you want me to hive off this this whole arm okay there you go take it just give me a little bit of that attention so our whole nervous system has been attuned to even if it's just a little crumb of what i need i'm gonna let that be enough and so a lot of the times these two people you know they meet at let's say a party and they come together like magnets it's almost as if a higher part of them knows okay we get to work through these unresolved pieces that are sitting inside of us
0: mm mm-hmm. now one of the things from my work that i'll just put into this conversation is that you know it's it's so complex it's so complicated it is simp not it's simply not simple. <laughs> because if I have if I have had that attraction and there are those needs and there are subconscious things happening and abuse that's been normalized for one person and a hijackle comes in, a person who has pathological things going on with them, um, they see their moment. But th- when they come into your practice it may be different for you with you're saying you have a different approach that what do you do when they come in and you say to them tell me your history and they they give it out but they don't take any responsibility for the fact that they have this deeply critical or neglectful or abusive situation that they came from and entertain the notion that it could have something to do with the problem in the
1: relationship? It's a very powerful question because we have to look at the reality that there are many people who just do not want to look at the roots of why they do what they do. Some of the most painful, you know, habits can come from that place. Yes. And so a lot of the times that where I find, even if I'm working with half of the couple, you know, maybe only the wife will come. And the, the powerful approach is for her to recognize, okay, that's why this feels so familiar. What is it that I need to integrate and understand within myself so that this feels less and less familiar? This feels less and less where I want to be. How do I heal those parts of myself if I'm a puzzle piece that fits in with that? Because you know we can't force our partner to you know look at this or you know read this book or attend this this therapy session with me um, we've got to take full responsibility for our own part inside of it and recognize maybe the spouse who is highly critical, who is high conflict doesn't want to look at this. you know my experience with with clients that are that way, you know, anger and sadness, they're very much two faces of the same coin. And so there might not be that access to go into vulnerability, to quote unquote, look under what's been stuffed in the body, where it just feels easier to be rageful, to be impatient, even if it costs them, their relationship, their family, because in their inner imprint, I call it the family imprint, you know, love equals um, being let down. Love equals this this push-pull of being on a roller coaster ride where some days we're connecting, some days we're at each other's throats. And if it wasn't that way, it just wouldn't be love. Mm-hmm. So there's and, a real readiness that's, that's got to be there for the client, as I'm sure you find in your practice as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I have come to realize over the years that I've been doing this, Joanna, that that there are three kinds of hijackals. They're what I call black hat hijackles, gray hat hijackals, and white hat hijackals. Hmm. There are people, the black hat hijackals have the DNA markers, they have the brain chemical wash, and they have the abusive background. Yeah. And they only know one way and they're sticking with it. And they, you know, it's just the way they're going to be and they have no interest in recognizing that or changing yeah. And the gray hat hijackles are people who have a little awareness of how they are and what works out in the world. And so they tend to only show their hijackal tendencies from their background. And they may or may not have the other two factors when they're under s- extreme stress. And so they can manage some of it. And then there are the white hat hijackles; These are the people who are fairly unhappy. They recognize they can't sustain relationships, that they keep hurting people, and they don't want to, but they're they're kind of like a one-trick pony. They only know one way to be in the world. Mm. They only know one way to respond, and that is to take control over something before it takes control over me. And I have that, as you were saying, that deep well of sadness versus rage, the two parts Mm. of the same coin that the rage ends, is so much easier to express than the sadness. And so then they have to, and they're often willing to, and they're a small percentage of these people, but they, they say, help me. I mean, they cry real tears. Yeah. Black hat hijackals cry crocodile tears at the drop of a hat. But white hat hijackals cry real tears. I don't know why I hurt her. I don't know why I yell at him. I
1: don't want to be like this. Help. Yes. So what's your experience with that? Well, I would have to say that they get to this point where their desire to be loved, you know, kind of gets over that pattern of hurting to get love. And so there's this, you know, I've gone through two, three, four relationships where the pattern is just too familiar. And oh, no, you know, I'm the common denominator. And so until we've hit up against that proverbial wall enough times, am I actually willing, that, that courageousness to go inside and to really look at what that's all about. So I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I do see those distinctions that you've outlined, and that kind of points to their readiness to do the inner work, to be able to show up differently, whether or not the separation remains, and we're just talking about co-parenting in a more healthy way, or if there aren't children involved, perhaps the next relationship has a much more healthy tone. Hmm,
0: and I think that's so so true for people. You know, you're in a relationship, and it has a pattern. And as you were saying, you inherited family trauma. You've got all the stuff that you've seen when you were before the age of two. You've mm-hmm. taken in so much into your little being without language. All through your senses, you've got a sense of who you are, whether you're important, whether you're loved, whether you're valued, whether you're validated, whether you're wanted. And then you're watching the play out among the parents and the family dynamics, and you're getting a sense of how you fit. And then maybe you got marginalized. Maybe the only way that you could ever do anything at all was to disappear into the walls and then come out fighting or that you went into a rageful stage where you stayed a three-year-old having tantrums every time you didn't get your own way, and you're still doing that at 36, you know? Yeah. Um, and these things have a way of just maybe they look a little different, but it's the same thing. And for most hijackals, particularly black hat hijackals, we know that they're, they're, they're stopped at an emotional space of, you
1: know, no more than 10 or 11 years old.
0: Yeah, because of often, this trauma. exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of pain that kind of keeps it stuffed. And, and I think what's important to add there is that it is a sort of new understanding of science and epigenetics. This right. concept of, you know, it might not even be our own trauma, our own experience that has us replay these patterns. You know, you could think of it that we're all a little bit like a computer and we're born sharing an operating system. With our parents and our grandparents, you know, we're kind of running those same programs, and so for those people that are really stuck in replicating that pain, those are often the first places that I'll look. You know, did your father commit a crime and he didn't have? Um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Didn't um, you know go to jail or it wasn't balanced? Um, did your father or did your grandfather go away to war, and there's all kinds of guilt stuck in at the at the soul level that then carries down to subsequent generations. So that can be sometimes some light that is shed on these really stuck harsh patterns. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that, what
0: you said, because mm-hmm. it's very important for us to realize there could be unresolved things in the family system that have kind of spread to us, the, the little DNA contagion, if you will. That's a good that, thing to say. You know, and, and they're not even ours, but we feel them and we operate from them. And that's that's important. I know I come from my father's family was an entire layer of hijackals. There was not one of them that was not a hijackal. And my father was an extreme passive aggressive. And that was his response to it. So when you've had a family systems issue um, or an inherited family trauma, as you say, we get to choose our response to it consciously or unconsciously hmm so I would imagine that with your work as a clinical hypnotherapist that dealing with the subconscious and unconscious
1: patterns plays a big part am I right it really does I think we can't have one without the other I'm very much a full picture thinker uh, and our our inner images they really run our lives and so what I mean by that is If we hold the inner image that, you know, gosh, no matter what I could do for my mom, it was never enough or, you know, no matter uh, what mood my dad was in, he would always be uh, insensitive or, or critical to me. So if that's the inner image, it's as if we go out into the world and life shows us those same themes over and over again.
0: Right, and that's something we really want to talk about. So we're going to take a break and come back with Johanna Lynn. You can learn more about her at Johanna Lynn. And now I'm saying it with an H because I want you to spell it with an H. J-O-H-A-N-N-A-L-Y-N-N dot C-A. Because remember she's Canadian. So Joh- Johanna Lynn dot. C-A, you can find that. She has a free book there for you, The Be Good to Yourself, a free gift. And you will explore that and learn more about her. And we'll be back after the break to talk about things. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting, it's never ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackals, and hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing, to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit www.forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. Welcome to part two. I'm having a really interesting and in-depth talk with my guest, Joanna Lynn. and we're, We were talking in the first part about inherited family trauma and how that plays out. We ended part one by talking about the subconscious, the unconscious pieces that were playing out and how to bring them to awareness. And Joanna is a clinical hypnotherapist. So let's continue talking about that. So somebody comes to you and they're saying, I hurt, I hurt, I hurt. My relationship is going sideways. I don't know what to do. And the first thing you do is you look into family history to say, where could these patterns have arisen from? Um, but what happens if they have these images of themselves that have come and been painted by their families? What do you do to help them move in a better direction?
1: Mm. Well, if I can, I'll share with you a client story that really illustrates how this work sort of moves in, the, the approach of it, so that your listeners can get a really good understanding. So I'm working with a couple, and the gentleman is very, very much high conflict. Um, very much stuck, likely in maybe under 12 developmentally uh, because of the pain that he experienced as a little boy. But we're talking about very, very painful things going on in their marriage to the point where she feels I can't count on you i can't trust you when i reach out for support they have three children under the age of five you know you're, you're not even answering my telephone calls it's really gotten to this place where for the past maybe gosh three years they've been kind of stuck in this place so my work was with her she was my primary client and i began to understand what went on for her as a little girl Growing up with a mom who had schizophrenia, mm-hmm. who was then put in a residence for the rest of her life, really didn't see her mom after five. Yeah. And some really sad stories about what went on in her early life experience with a mom who just couldn't cope. Right. Yeah. Now, her father brought in a series of stepmoms that were very, very similar to her own mom, perhaps not at the level of mental illness, but at the level of being very harsh, very cold, very emotionally unavailable. And dad didn't really step in to protect. And so it was a very, I'm on my own here kind of experience from likely birth. And so beginning to explore, it's one thing for us to go, okay, that's understandable why why I've then chosen, you know, the father of my children to be unavailable to me. But now what the heck do I do with it? Yes, that's the big question. (laughs) We find ourselves in these life situations. And if only understanding and awareness was enough. So where this work then goes from there is to actually work with, I kind of call it the content of the body. It's even more than the inner images that are really running our lives, but the uh, emotional, let's call it a reference point, that would have been that sadness of that very tiny little girl with a mom who's physically there, but not really emotionally online. You know, we're not having the mirror neurons connect. We're not building that safety of attachment. And then to have mom disappear from her life as a five-year-old without the understanding of where does she go? Why has everything changed? So to really work with the layers and layers of sadness with that loss of her mom, as well as what exists. If we, we don't have that connection to our mom, we often don't trust her. And what that relates to in our grown-up lives is we don't end up trusting life. We certainly don't trust our spouse. And then we've got all of these patterns that live out from that place. So for her in this situation, it became very much less about how do I navigate this marriage and much more about how do I heal the deepest parts of myself of why I found myself here in the first place.
0: Beautifully said, Johanna. I, I really resonate with that. And I agree. Because when people come to me and they say, well, what should I do? Should I leave or should I stay? And they set everything out. And I always tell them, unless there's physical or sexual abuse that you must get away from,
1: mm-hmm.
0: do your own work first. Yes. Stay in the relationship. Do your own work first. Because you have to understand these things. Why has this been all right with me? When did it start being all right with me? Has it always been all right with me? Where in my life prior to this partner was this all right with me? And where did I learn these patterns? So when a a person figures that out, male or female, because there are equal numbers of male and female hijackals, so equal number of partners, they start looking at that. It's not about blame. It's not about blaming yourself. It's saying, this was given to me in the early years of my life. And there's not, you know, you turn turn 14 and go back and say, let me look at my life up to now and see what I've been given. You mm-hmm. just keep moving forward because you're in a developmental stage for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And then by the time your brain is fully formed at 25, You're in the throes of dating, marrying, raising a family, creating a career, acquiring things that allow you to think of success. And many 25-year-olds are not going to go back and say, hey, maybe I've got some things I need to look at in my past. But it's very important for every single person to do their own work. And it's not that every single person is dysfunctional, it's that we need to say, am I free of things that were inherited? You know, I've written a lot of books, Joanna, and I talk about things that are inherited, adapted, and adopted. Mm -hmm. And when you have those things that you don't look at, then you're kind of on autopilot, running from somebody else's program. And so I hear you talking about the same thing in different languages, having someone come in and say, all right, where did this become familiar? That's it. Yeah, and And creating (laughs)
1: creating a safe place to do that. So go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say I love what you've shared there because I often really, myself included, but guide my clients to look at relationship as a path, you know, this path to personal inquiry that even the places where our partner triggers us, as you say, if there is an active abuse going on, to begin to look at, oh, okay. Thank you for showing me this is still a live wire. This kind of shows me where I need to fine tune and really gain more understanding about myself Um, instead of thinking if I just could get away from this, you know, we'd all be (laughs) ideal partners, you know, up on a mountaintop meditating away. But we learn so much more about ourselves inside relationship. Yes. And it it is. Relationship is the best
0: school ever if we treat it that way. Yes. You know, but if we're all about blame, you know, one of the reasons that I created the term hijackals is because people well, first of all, People are not able to diagnose another human being unless they have the credentials to do so and the background but people go rushing off to Google and they say my partner does this and the Google says well read this about narcissism and then the the partner says oh well my partner has a problem they're a narcissist and they exclude themselves from the relationship dynamic by now saying oh that's what's going on and I wanted a non-clinical term to talk about the traits patterns and cycles that these people have so that I could say how am I interacting with this how was this familiar enough to me to be comfortable and people don't realize it was familiar to them because a hijackle is a chameleon mm-hmm. and they're going to be any color you want them to be your favorite color when you first meet them but slowly they're going to show you their true colors And so we can be easily fooled when we have a background of pain because the person seems so perfect. Yes. They're all we ever wanted. It's like they can read our soul. They they understand us. They give us everything. But we have to understand that the hijackal has their needs too, and their need is to have control over you and so have power over you. So in order to get that control so that they feel that their life can work. And they're very damaged. Too right. Everybody's hurting here, Mm -hmm. and and so they just want to get it over with. Let me let me put on this show of having empathy and being this good person until I get you. You know, and that's why they say, "I just know I love you. I know we don't know each other, but I love you. I'm going to marry you." They get into this big rush to move in, get married, have a baby, do something that allows the gotcha to happen. Like now we're bonded and now I know that you're going to stick in and and do your very best to make me happy and I'm going to go off and do what makes me happy. And so we don't get that place where the relationship becomes the learning space that you're talking about. So what can you do to encourage people even if you're just working with one partner, to make that a learning space when they're fearful of that
1: place? Hmm. That's a profound question. I think that a really big part of it is to recognize the work that they're doing is enough because that's a, a sticking point for many people. But he, you know, but she won't do this work and feeling like it's unfair or why do I have to do it all to really get into this position that I'm not doing this work, maybe necessarily for the marriage. I'm doing this work for me. And maybe if you have children for my children so that this doesn't continue on for one more week, for one more month, for even one more day, that I get to free myself from some of those painful patterns and come back home to myself in a real with new understanding, with new insights, so that it's worth the effort, even if your partner doesn't ever read, you know, a page of the book you think they should or come to any of these um, commitments that you're making for yourself
0: hmm And so again, we're back to that place of do your own work, come to understand it, understand what part you played in the attraction process or in the allowing process or in the not setting boundaries process. And yes, we need to have compassion for ourselves and for other people, but we also need to strengthen ourselves so that we are not enabling or condoning behaviors that are hurtful. And hurtful to ourselves, hurtful to the other partner, whether or not they feel hurt, but hurtful to the modeling that we're doing for our children. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. You know, sometimes that's what puts the light bulb on that would I want my daughter to be in this very situation? And usually it's unequivocally no. And yet, if we're modeling this, we can know there's a very high probability that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So how do we take that step back to really look at, okay, wow, I don't have this kind of resilient boundary with my own spouse, this own person I, I'm sharing this life with. Yeah. Where didn't I have a boundary with one of my parents? Where did I feel unheard or walked over? And that's usually we have to go back to the origin, right back to the source of where it happened to create the resolution we're looking for in the here and now
0: absolutely so we've got so much to talk about Um, and maybe we'll do this again and and take the conversation in another direction Um, it's so important for people to get help I want you to know that you can talk to Joanna Uh, go to joannalin.ca that's J-O-H-A-N-N-A-L-Y-N-N.ca find her there look at her work, enjoy that. I'm sure you've enjoyed her as much as I have today. Thank you so much for being with me, Joanna.
1: Well, well, thanks for having me as your guest. I love your show and I'm behind all the empowering work you're doing in the world.
0: Thank you so much. And I love what you had to say and I look forward to doing it again. Mm-hmm. So this is part two of the interview with Joanna Lin. Remember, you can learn so much more about her by going to joannalynn.ca. Don't forget the H in Joanna. And uh, you know that you can always find my work at For Relationship Help or the YouTube channel For Relationship Help. We'll be right back with the next segment of the Relationship Help Show. Stay tuned, we're going to be talking with you very soon. Music No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Hello this is Dr Roberta Shaler the Relationship Help Doctor and I've been thinking about the fact that many times it seems people put off difficult conversations and they're really hoping that the person they're having problems with will go first. So I wanted to address that today because are you waiting for someone else to go first? So many times when we have relationship problems We have a habit of waiting for the other person to go first, to speak first, to make the first move, to bring up the topic. And you know what? That puts the other person in charge. Is that what you really want to do? I don't think so. I I work with people in conflict, both at home and at work, and I see this all the time. The hue and cry is, if only he or she would do or say or whatever. So... Is that other he or she or they really the one in control? The one who alone can change the circumstance, condition, or the situation? Is he or she or they in charge of your relationship? I don't think so. I hope not. But it's sure convenient to keep that in that compartment. Then you don't have to do anything. It's a vicious circle. And you can go on blaming the other person, making them wrong, justifying your behavior, because you're waiting for them to go first. So we use phrases like, if she or he wanted to talk about it, we'd talk. Or, it's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Or maybe, they're impossible to talk to, so I'm just not going there. Or, there's nothing to be gained from bringing it up. Or, it will only go from bad to worse if we try to talk, so I'm not going to. Or maybe another position, let's not air our dirty laundry. Or, I don't want the hassle. Or, oh, no point, that's just the way they are. No, what's interesting about all those phrases is, yes, they can be true. But they can also be excuses for taking no personal action To move the relationship onto a better footing. It's important to ask ourselves if we're making excuses. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but if you look up reasons and excuses in the dictionary, they're the same. So don't go there. Don't go to making excuses to avoid taking personal responsibility for the state of your relationship. So why do we put it off? Why don't we speak up? Why don't we go first? And there are many reasons why we avoid conflict. It's scary. And maybe we don't feel competent. We don't think we have the skills to handle it well. Or maybe in your early life, you were taught to be seen and not heard. Maybe you've had some bad experiences previously. Maybe you really don't care about the relationship. Or maybe you're better at justifying your position when there is no conversation, (laughs) so you don't want to be wrong. Or maybe we have other people who think the same way as we do, and we just want to keep talking to them and not deal with anything that looks like conflict. Or maybe we need to think the other person is inferior or wrong so that we can still feel superior and right. That happens frequently. Or maybe we'd have to acknowledge that it's time to change, and um, denial would be difficult to maintain, and that's really scary, too, because many people prefer to live in denial. That's a comfortable place for many people. The only problem with that is you never get to fully live. You never get to experience and express who you really are. You don't get in touch with your own values and your vision for your life and your beliefs and your goals and your challenges. You don't get to step up and be really you living in integrity and creating connections based on that, because there you are, you're waiting for somebody else to go first to have a conversation. Maybe you don't have any boundaries and you know that, and that's kind of scary, so you don't speak up. So start there, create some boundaries or get some skills. But don't be waiting for somebody else to go first because that gives them the control of their relationship and you're handing it to them. Don't do that. So if you have a relationship that's flagging or festering or floundering, (laughs) are you waiting for the other person to go first? It might be time to wake up and smell the herbal tea, time to step up and take the bull by the horns. Or at least to open and invite a conversation and find out what's possible. I know it's scary, but you can't do it any younger and you don't want the the conflict to last any longer. So now is the time to step up. You go first and take charge of a difficult situation. I wish you well with that. If I can help, you'll find me at fourrelationshiphelp.com, or on YouTube at 4RelationshipHelp. Talk soon. Thanks for being with me today on the Relationship Help Show. I'm so glad you were here and I hope you are too. I hope you heard some things that you will really take to heart and you will spend some time in the quiet thinking about it. Or if you need help, you know I'm always here to help you. So you can have a free consultation. Just go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash free consult or go to forrelationshiphelp.com and find whatever you need there. So today we talked about What's the impact of being raised by a toxic, difficult person? How did, how you received that as you were a tiny child, how did that impact who you've become? And is it sabotaging your relationships, or the way you feel about yourself or your ability to create intimacy. And then today's guest, Johanna Lynn, clinical hypnotherapist, she talked about the way our families impacted us, What happened? How did they give us the sense of who we are? How did they show us how to manage conflict? How did they tell us what's the right way to be a man or a woman or a man or a woman in relationship? Absolutely important information that she can help you with too. So remember to go to JohannaLynn.ca. Remember it's .ca because she's in Canada. And we rounded out the program with a question. Because so many times when you're in a difficult situation, yeah, you don't really want to talk about it. You're a little concerned about talking about it, maybe even frightened about talking about it. And so you don't talk about it because you're really waiting for the other person to go first. And as you learned in today's show, that's disempowering. You're giving up way too much control to the other person if you wait for them to bring up the topics. So you take that back, and you get your power back, and you can. It's a decision that you can make. And yeah, you may have to kind of summon up a little courage, but practice makes progress. So do that. And as you go through this next week, remember, you are strong no matter how you feel in this moment. You are capable and can overcome obstacles even when you feel like quitting. You are worthwhile and deserve to be loved and in healthy, supportive relationships. And I know you will never allow yourself to be abused abused in any way. So make this promise to yourself today. I will never say anything about myself that I do not want to be true. Got it? I will never say anything about myself that I do not want to be true because you matter. I hope you know that. Talk soon. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins within you now, today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better, and you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor, Roberta Shaler. I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. Learn more at 4 Visit youtube.com slash 4 And if you want to listen to the show's archives, visit RelationshipHelpShow.com. Join me for next week's show. I'll see you then. Talk soon.